I'm glad you're here. Uh, we are starting a brand new series. We just finished up our DNA series last week. And uh, if, you're ha- if you were not here for that, you can uh, catch up through either our iTunes podcast. We do have an iTunes channel, podcast channel, or you can stream it directly from our website, DNA. Uh, so catch up to that if you, if you missed those. Uh, we're starting a series called Family Foundations today. Family Foundations. Um, and you know, just like with any building, uh, the foundation is, is completely, absolutely essential to be strong, to be secure, to be good. The same is true for our families. You know, uh, for, for building a family, for keeping a family strong and, and thriving, we've got to make sure the foundation of our family is secure and strong and good. And that we maintain that, just like we would any structure. You know, with, uh, with any building, a home or a business, skyscraper, it doesn't matter... If the foundation is solid, then no matter what happens really on the top of that foundation, you know, it's not the end of the world if that breaks down and deteriorates. Uh, it, it may be a lot of work, but it can be fixed. It can be repaired and the entire structure can be salvaged. But if a foundation is gone, if the foundation is cracked and eroded, then you've got a lot of problems. You've got a lot of trouble. You know, that's where uh, people like Jerry just, you know, walk away from the job. They're like, I'm not touching this. This is too much work. You know, the foundation is, is absolutely crucial for it to be good and right and strong. That's the same for your house. That's the same for any, any business that we would uh, go to, any structure that we see. The foundation is all important. And so through this series, we're going to evaluate what is, what is absolutely necessary, what is crucial to make sure our family's foundation is what it needs to be. That's the question we're going to be asking through this series. We're going to be be talking about that. We're going to be looking into God's Word and finding out what He has to say, what He has revealed to us that is absolutely crucial and vital in order to maintain your family's foundation. And that's something that I think we can all agree on, no matter what we might disagree on, is that we all want our families to be strong. We all want our families to thrive. We want our families to be the best that they can be. There's not many people, if any, that would say, you know, I I don't care at all about the state of my family. I don't care how my family is functioning. I don't care whether we're thriving or not. Most people wouldn't say that. Now, people may not have an idea. They may not have a clue as to how to do that, but that does not mean the desire is not present. I think we can all agree that we all desire for our families to be the greatest that they can be, to be as strong and thriving and flourishing as they can be. And in order for that to happen, the foundation has to be right, has to be strong and solid and, and good. And now more than ever... In this current culture and in the climate in which we live, now more than ever, it is absolutely of greatest importance that we have solid foundations in our family. And the reason it's so important now more than ever before is because now more than ever before, there is attack on the institution of the family. Unlike any other period in history, there are multiple weapons and multiple attacks coming against the institution 
of the family. There's the agenda to reshape and re, rename what marriage is and what it looks like. And, and, and there's the, the boundaries are being not just pushed away, but, but actually chipped away. And there's this constant, constant attack on the family. And that's very strategic. Because our enemy, the enemy, knows that if he can erode the family, culture soon follows. As the family goes, so does society. That's always been the case, all throughout history. If you look at every culture throughout the ages, as, as the family unit started to disintegrate, so did their culture. It began to unravel. And that's always what will happen. The family is the oldest institution, and it is the first institution that God himself ordained. If you look in the early pages of Genesis, the first thing that he set up as an institution for mankind was the institution of the family. He said, husband, wife, come together, multiply. There's the family. Go out and continue to do this. Have dominion over the earth. After all that he created, after all he he set up, the most precious and the most prominent of all those institutions, long before the priesthood and long before the office of prophet and long before the church even, was the family. It was the first institution that God himself brought about. And it was all for a reason. It was through the family the family that would would seek God, the family that would know God. It was through that kind of family that God had plans to reach the other people around those families. God's purpose for the family was, was that he would use that institution as one of his chiefest methods for bringing people to himself. That the godly family would shine as a light to the rest of the world. That this family would do it, and this family over here, and this family, and that all the families of the earth would know God and make him known. That was his plan. And our enemy knows this. Our enemy is very aware of that. And so all throughout history, he has attacked and attacked and attacked and tried to reshape and reform and erode the family. And it's never happened more than it is right now. And we all know this. We all know this. And just as we would want to make sure the foundation of our, of our homes or our businesses are intact and strong and good, we, we need to make sure the same is true for our family. Because, friends, it, no matter what may come against our family, your family, my family, if our foundation is where it needs to be and is how it needs to be and is secure and is strong and is grounded, then no matter what comes against us on the surface... We're going to be okay, and we'll get through it. But if our foundation is shaky, if our foundation is unstable, then the smallest thing that comes against our families will cause our families to crumble. And you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've lived it. Maybe your family has been there and has walked through those, those times of, of darkness where it seems like everything around you is crumbling. Maybe you've come from a broken family or a broken home or you're still dealing with it. And if it's not you personally, you certainly know of people that that is true of. Your own family members extended, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You know, and it used to be a long time ago that the word divorce was a foreign word to the Christian or to the church. 
Now, though, the divorce rate among Christian homes, Christian families in the church is completely even and level with that of the culture and the world outside of it. And as, as the divorce rate in the world, in the, in the lost culture goes up, so does the rate within the church. Erosion, disintegration, disrepair. It's all around us. All around us. That's why it's absolutely vital to make sure that that our foundation, yours and mine and our family, is strong. It's what it needs to be. So that's where we're headed for the series. And as we begin that, I want us to start by looking at spiritual disciplines today. The spiritual disciplines. That's the first area that we need to look at and consider as we, as we evaluate what is needed for our family's foundation. Spiritual disciplines. And I want you to picture, in your mind, picture a foundation. And I'll help you out here. I even have a little picture there. Every foundation, again, no matter how big the structure is, there's always going to be four significant, four intentional, four strategic corners of that foundation that support it. Four four corners of that foundation. So as we go through today, I want you to keep that visual in your mind, okay? Picture a foundation that hasn't had anything built on top of it yet. We're we're just starting to build the, the structure. We're starting to build the home. We're starting to build the building, and we're starting at the foundation. So we've got to get the corners right. We've got to get all four corners up and strong and secure before we build on the rest of it. You with me on that? Understand where I'm going? Okay. So with that in mind, take out your message guide. And uh, the, the first area that we're going to look at as in, in the spiritual disciplines that we talk about this morning is devotional life. Devotional life. Another way of wording that would be just time in the Word of God, time in the Word, devotional life, time in the Word. And the reason that that is so absolutely important is because we're told in Romans 12 too, to renew our minds. That's a command. Renew your mind. Romans 12 too says, do not be conformed to this world, to the culture, to to the depravity around you. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See that contrast? Don't be conformed to the world. Instead, be transformed. Think of transformers. Everybody loves transformers, right? More than meets the... That was weak, but I'll take it. More than meets the eye. Yeah, think of the transformers. They're one thing, and then they transform into a completely different thing. And uh, that's the idea. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this age. Don't be conformed to the way the world operates and does things. Instead, transform into something else entirely. But be transformed. How How do we be transformed? By renewing our mind. Think of renovation, since we're on the topic of foundation and buildings and homes. That's, that's really what the intent is. Instead, renovate your mind. Allow yourself to be renovated. Made new constantly. How? How do we renew our mind? Well, it's through the Word of God. That's how it takes place. Time in the Word. Letting His Word engage us, speak to us, challenge us, and ultimately change us. That's how it happens. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God... And he penetrates and saturates our mind and into our heart. And that's when change takes place. That's when transformation occurs. It happens in the word of God. 
And the Word of God is not just a name of a book. It is what it is. You know, in Genesis, we we know that Adam and Eve were formed, and, and the Bible tells us that Adam received something very special and significant that none of the other creation received. All the animals, you know, all the birds, all the sea creatures, all the animals. I mean, it was spectacular and truly miraculous how all that came to be. But with Adam, there's something that jumps right off the page that separates how Adam was formed, how he became a living being that is different from all the animals. It's one thing. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Does not say that about any of the other animals. Any of the other creatures. With Adam, with man, God breathed life into him. Life is in, contained within the Creator. God Himself is life. We know that from John, even ascribing that to Jesus personally. In Him was life. Breathed it out of Himself into man. The Bible also says all Scripture is God breathed, it's inspired. It's the exact same concept. Just as Adam was breathed into and became living and functioning and what he needed to be, the same is true of the Bible, of the Scripture, of the Word of God. It's God-breathed. It's it's actually breathed out and given life. That's what we have in the pages of our Scripture. And that's why it is so important to know it and, and to be in it and to be informed by it and to be shaped and challenged by it. You know, um, so many times we can come up with, all of us can, come up with some really good excuses as to why we are not in the Word more, you know? We're really good at that. Like, we've, we've gotten that down to an art form of, of excusing away our lack of, of attention to the Word, our, our lack of being in it and, and knowing it and, and deciding based on it. You know, we say, oh, man, I, I would love to sit down and read the Word of God. Man, I, I would just love it. Uh, I'd love to have just hours to devote to it, uh, but I, I just don't. I'm just so busy. You have no idea what my schedule's like. You, you know, I, I'm here and I'm there and I have this obligation, and just when I sit down and I'm actually going to do it, then something else happens. You know, you've heard that. You've used it at some point. And so have I. We all have. Or, or maybe the excuse, you know, I've heard this a lot. You know, I know the Bible's important, but, but Pastor, I just, I have such a hard time understanding it. I have such a hard time understanding. And I'm not minimizing that because there's a lot of weighty things in the Bible. There's a lot of, of intense things in the Scripture. And, and certainly there are parts that are hard to understand. Not disagreeing with that. My thing is, though, that should not limit any of us who are truly in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, if you have committed your life to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, guess what you have? You have the author of the book indwelling you. Because the Holy Spirit, we know from the Word, is the one who actually put all of the Word of God into the authors to write it. That's what the inspiration is. He spoke to them. He guided their thoughts, their, their, their hearts, their, their des- decisions on what to word and how to word it and what to say and what not to say. He was intimately involved in all that. The Holy Spirit actually authored the whole Bible through the men who wrote it down. That means if you're in Christ today, you have the author of all of the Word of God dwelling in you as your personal tutor. Isn't that awesome? We don't think of it that way, though. You know, we forget that. Like, we, we know the Holy Spirit is with us, and we, we know He's important, we know He's powerful, but what we do is we forget the fact that 
hey, wait, wait a second. If I don't understand something, I have instant access to the one that, that did all of this. You know? Well, I can stop at any moment and say, wow, this, whew, this is just this is overwhelming. And, and we can stop and say, Holy Spirit, will you please shine your light on this word, on this text that I'm reading? I, I want to know what you're saying here. I want to get it. I want to understand it. Will you please illumine my mind? That's one of the chief roles of the Holy Spirit. He's the illuminator. And we can say, Holy Spirit, please guide me in this. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. I, I want to know what you're saying here. You know, commentaries are great. Uh, scholarly resources are great. Uh, you know, I, I encourage people to use those. But church, let's not ever forget that above any other human scholar or 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 author that, that may shine some good light on the text we're reading, let us not forget to first and foremost rely on the divine commentator that we have within us if we're in Christ. So that kind of you know, puts that excuse kind of out the window a little bit, you know, because uh, it's just a matter of asking. You know, Jesus had told people a lot. He said, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, you don't ask the right thing. So, so let's ask the right thing. Let's ask for help from the divine commentator, the Holy Spirit. Now, with, with that in mind, I want to draw your attention to Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7. Uh, it's on your, your message guide, and it's also on the screen. This is just talking about, about why we should be focusing on and pursuing time in, in the Word, why we should make sure that we have a strong and a good devotional life as a key component of our foundation. It says this, These words that I am giving you, this is God Himself speaking, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your hearts. You're to know them, that it become part of you. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, you probably were able to see pretty clearly that that pretty much sums up all of our time right there, right? I mean, when you're, when you're in your house, you're with your family, when you sit down, when you walk along the road, that's like, you know, when you're doing your business, when you're out there in the community and the world and you're just, your natural rhythms of life, like you're going to the grocery store, you know, you're going to work, you're, you're going to school to pick up your kids. That's just life, like doing life. And then when you, um, when you lie down, that means before you go to sleep and, and then when you get up to start the day, I mean, that's, that's like inundating all of our life is what this is saying. Let every aspect of your life be centered around the Word of God. Let it be shaping the way you think. Let it be informing your decisions. Let it be part of, of your whole fabric of being. Include your kids in it. Make sure you talk to them about the Word of God. Make sure you, you talk to each other. Make sure they're having their time in the Word of God. Make sure you're having your time in the Word of God and interact with one another about it. It, it is part of life. It's part of life. And then another reason that maybe we don't do this as much as we should or know we should is because maybe we just don't know where to start. I've heard that a lot too. Hey, you know, I know, I know devotions are important. I know time in the Word is important. I want to do that. I want my family to do that. But I'm just not familiar enough with what's out there. Like, what is available for us to do? I'm glad you asked. I brought a lot of things with me. So, um, I want this to be really practical, okay? So, um, we have our daily bread 
We've got a, a big fan of that right down here. He's a big fan of our daily bread. We've got plenty of those out there in the, in the front. These are, are excellent little books because uh, they have a lot of options. You can either, if you're in a big hurry, you can just read what's written on the page and read the little verse and think about that. Or you can go deeper and read the entire passage that's listed. Then there's also the option of following along uh, to go through the Bible in a year. There's all of that in this one little package. And as you read it and as you're encouraged, you can share that with other people. You can say, hey, I was reading in our daily bread and man, this just jumped out at me. God spoke to me just in five minutes of of my morning. And that's all it takes is five minutes unless you want to go deeper. But that's one resource, our daily bread. It's right out there in the front. You can grab that. Another thing uh, that Pastor Scott actually does with Fusion and he has available is uh, it's from Word of Life and it's called the Quiet Time Devotional Diary or Quiet Time Journal. This is an awesome book. I mean, this thing is just amazing. Uh, it has a, a prayer journal in the front that you can write down prayer requests and it has a place for answers when you've gotten those requests answered. You can go through the Bible in a year in this. It has a reading plan for that. Then there's also uh, just a daily reading where you have a passage of Scripture. It asks you, what is the writer saying and how can I apply this to my life? That's excellent Bible study skills right there. And then there's, there's something that, uh, you know, kind of an inspirational or an encouraging uh, thing that someone has written. And then it keeps on going. Then there's a daily prayer for a region of the world uh, that has a need, specifically a, a need for the gospel. And you, like you pray for Italy one day and then you, you pray for Africa the next. And, and there's all these specific things in there. I mean, this is just chock full. This book right here is meant for from uh, middle school all the way up through adulthood. And uh, if you're interested in that, Pastor Scott has those available. There's another form of the same thing for the younger kids, starting in first grade, and it builds. Same thing, champion quiet time. This is grades five through six. There's grades three through four, grades one through two. They're all geared toward those ages, specific to those. Uh, and these are just excellent resources. And the goal there is if, you're, if mom and dad are doing that and, and their kids are doing it, the kids of different ages, they're all doing it, you can all get together and talk about it. You know, That's the idea, that you can share, hey, hey, what, what did you pick up in your quiet time today? Well, I, I really was spoken to about this. Oh, really? Me, same thing for me. And you can talk about it over, over dinner at the dinner table or breakfast table or whenever. It's a, it's a way of getting the whole family around the Word of God together. Uh, another option that, that I like uh, in our home is this book by Kevin DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung, it's called The Biggest Story. It's The Biggest Story. And this, is, this has all kinds of just amazing, beautiful, eye-catching artwork to, that goes along with what is said. And the, the whole point of this book, this is very, very intentional, It's Jesus on every page. It shows you how from the beginning to the end, Jesus is what Scripture is all about, which it is. The whole of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. It all points to Christ. It all shows our need for him. Now, he's the only one who can meet the need. And it shows us what he he wants for our lives and and how we can know him. That's the whole Bible. And this, this shows how from the beginning to the end, God's plan of redemption has always been being put into place. It's a great book. It's very, very good for younger children, um, elementary age. And then if you have uh, toddlers at home, 
recommend the Story Bible. I think everybody's had something like that at some point if you've grown up in any type of Christian home. This one um, is just great because the artwork, it's almost like photographs. I mean, they just did an amazing job. And uh, in addition to, you know, a Bible story, it shows you where the passage is, that you can find that story for more in-depth study. And it asks three que- or it gives you three things to do. Ask, do, pray. You ask, what did God tell the people to do in this, in this story or in this passage? Uh, what did they do? And then you pray with your child to, to ask uh, for help for them to do the same thing that God would want them to do. So those are just some ideas, some options you've got. Um, you've got the version plans. Everybody's got version just about now on your phone or your tablet. Uh, Kindle Fire even has it if your kids have Kindle. There's all kinds of plans on version that are age-appropriate and leveled by age. Now there's even a kid's version that does like these little animated cartoon things. That's awesome. There's so much available, guys. There's so much out there. I could go on and on and on. Uh, stop by the Christian bookstore uh, with, with Mike and Kay, and they'll help you find maybe some, some additional things that I haven't even mentioned. Or if you'd like something that I showed you, they can certainly order that for you. So many options, so many things to get a whole family around the Word of God together, and that's what we need to do. Well, in addition to devotional life, the other very important part of our foundation that we're building, that's one corner. Devotional life, that's one corner. Now, a second corner is prayer life. Prayer life time together in prayer. Here's what the Bible says about prayer in one of the one place anyway. Ephesians 6:18 says this, with every prayer and request, pray at all times. That's key. Pray at all times in the spirit and stay alert in this. With all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. See, prayer is another area, kind of like devotional life, that we, we can come up with a lot of different excuses for as to why we don't do it. And, and they're very similar. Time, um, you know, some people will, will say, I just don't really know how I should pray. You know, what, what are the, the, the dynamics and dimensions of prayer that I should have? I'm just, you know, I'm just not comfortable really, really praying with other people, even my own family. I'm just not comfortable there. Well, again you have help available to you. Just as with time in the Word, you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to sit there and be discouraged because you don't understand. With prayer, you have the Holy Spirit helping you there too. The Bible tells us very clearly in Romans, we don't know how to pray. <laughs> it clears it up. It says, hey, you think you're really great at praying? Guess what? You're not. You don't know how to pray for the, th- the things you should be praying for. But then there's hope because it says, so... Therefore, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself, intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches the mind of the Spirit knows our mind. In other words, what, what's going on is as you and I pray to the Father, we're praying and, and you know, <laughs> we may very well sound like a, a, a babbling idiot you know, to him. Uh, but the Holy Spirit, what he does is he's right there interceding for us, praying for us, and he's saying to the Father, hey, what they're saying is this. What they really mean is this. Please hear this from me. That, that's really what they're trying to express. Isn't that good news? Isn't that amazing? So not only do you have the Holy Spirit saying, I want to help you understand my word. You have the Holy Spirit saying, I want to help you pray. I want to help you do that. It's amazing, our God. Amazing God that we have. Um, Prayer is something that really does need to be shared as a family. 
You, mom and dad, you need to be praying on your own individually. Absolutely, we we need to all make sure we're individually praying. But there is such wealth and such power and such purpose and strength in a family that prays together. It's a very old statement. You've probably heard it a million times. It's overused, but it's still true that a family that prays together is more likely to stay together. And it's just because when a family comes together in prayer... It's a way for everyone to be on the same playing field, you know? It, it, it doesn't feel so separated, mom and dad over here and kids over here. It's just you're all together as believers that happen to be a family, and you're praying. And so there's a, there's a humbling aspect to it, and there's a unifying aspect where mom and dad are joining with kids, and, and, and you're sharing the same concerns, and you're talking about what, what you have to pray about. And then there's the, the ability to pray for other people together as a family. There is nothing like it. Nothing like being able to pray for others as a family, mom and dad and kids together, and hearing the kids' perspective on the same thing you're praying for. I mean, it, it, is, it is beautiful. It's amazing. It's challenging. It's encouraging. Uh, and I, I want to give you another practical um, idea here. This is something that we do as a family. And, and please hear me on, on this. All these things that I'm showing you and letting you know about what we do, this is not, you know, oh, look at me. <laughs> look how good I am as a, as a godly husband and father. No, no, I don't do this perfectly. We don't. We don't do this perfectly. We miss days. We, we, we have gaps in, in our consistency. But, but we strive for it, you know. It, it's, a, it's a consistency that we, we shoot for. Uh, and if you, if you miss days here and there, which is going to happen, don't let that throw you. Don't let that discourage you. Just get up and keep going. Keep doing it, you know. God isn't up there saying, uh-huh, 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 checking off, you know, what you did and did not do, how frequently. He just wants you to, to pursue this, okay. That being said, um, we have a prayer request. Well, it used to be a jar. This is like a can now, but um, you see it says prayer re- request all around it there. I didn't do that. That's my creative wife. I'm not nearly that good, okay? Um, but we, we put prayer requests in there, and we keep, keep that going on little sticky notes or little strips of paper, and we draw one out, and we pray about that. And, and you know, it could be uh, a personal need. It could be something in our extended family. It could be something with church. It could be a missionary. Uh, so that's, that's one way of doing it. Or sometimes we make it much more strategic, and we write out categories of prayers, and we pray over categories, you know, one week at a time. Like this week, we're praying for missionaries. The next week, we're praying for church needs. The next week, family. On and on, you get the, the idea. Um, one thing we've also done is we have a sliding glass door at our, it separates a patio from our dining room. We have put sticky notes all over the glass there of prayer requests separated by category. And that's another fun way of doing it. And the kids love doing it. They put the requests up there, and, and it's just visual. And so every time we, we sit down at the table with all that reminders there to pray, it's kind of a prayer wall. Uh, then we have what we call jar of remembrance, or you could say uh, a, a jar of answers. Um, we remember is on this mason jar, and that's from Joshua 4.24 with the stones of remembrance. When the people crossed over the Jordan and God had them put the stones there to remember all that that he has done for them. This is where all the requests that get answered go. And it's full. Isn't that nice? Isn't that awesome? 
Same thing can be done with the glass sliding doors. We've done that too. Uh, One section is answered prayer. But it's a way of visually showing God is faithful. When you pray, it's not pointless. There is power in prayer. God hears, God cares, God responds. And it's a way of teaching your children very early on how important it is to pray. And then you, you make sure you do that together. Don't be afraid of praying together. It is going to be one of the best things you will ever do if you have not done it. If you used to do it and you've kind of fallen off, get back on. It's okay, all right? Now, uh, with that being said, uh, turn your, your handout over, and we'll keep on going with, uh, with the corners of our foundation. So we've got devotional life. We've got prayer life. Now our third corner of our foundation that we need to build and make sure is strong and secure is that of worship. 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 Psalm 29.2 says this, Give the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. In Psalm 29, uh, I, I have the same reference there, I'm sorry, excuse me for that. Uh, the next passage here, First uh, Samuel 12, 24, says, Above all, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and worship Him faithfully with all your heart. Not just some, not just part all of your heart, considering the great things he has done for you. What these passages show us is worship is never about us. Worship is never a style of music. Okay, Worship is keeping in mind and having as our focus who God is, his glory, his splendor, his majesty, his worth, and along with that being mindful of the fact that he has done amazing things for us. First of all, he has saved us, that's, and that's enough right there. You know, He wouldn't have to do anything else for all of eternity. The fact that he put into place the plan of redemption at the cost of his son for you and for me, that would be enough forever. But God doesn't stop there, does he? No, he keeps blessing, he keeps supplying, he keeps providing. He is faithful beyond belief. And so worship is, God, because of who you are, just just on the fact that you are God, and I am not, I worship you, I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise, and then also because of all you've done for me. That in itself is worship. And, And that's something that happens all the time. Day in, day out, moment in, moment out, hour in, hour out. And so when we come together in a place like this on a Sunday and we worship corporately together and we sing those great songs, that is not worship. That is the culmination of what should have been worship all week long. That's, that's what worship is, is supposed to be like. And so what does it look like to worship as a family? Well, uh, again, practical uh, examples here. Let me just tell you what some of the things we do. Um, you know, a lot of times we will we'll sit around and we'll say, uh, what are you thankful for that God has done in your life? What, what has happened recently that just makes you just so, so thankful to God? Uh, what is he showing you? What have you been reminded of this week? How is your, your, your Bible study that you've heard at church or that you're doing on your own devotional time, how, how is that showing you how good God is to you? And we talk about it. Or we'll, we'll see things that happen maybe out in commun- the community or something that we've heard about on, on Facebook and we, that, that can be used to celebrate the goodness of God. And so it's, it's just being intentional and it's looking for opportunities, just every day, every, every um, rhythm of life opportunities to take the focus and put it on God for all he is and all he's done. 
We also try to, to make sure we have um, a lot of you know, good worship music playing, a lot of good Christian music, um, and we, we guard you know, what our kids listen to and, and how much time they're spending in, in listening to a certain style of music or a certain artist and what they're watching on TV. You know, we guard that because we want to make sure that, that most of the time what they are most inundated with and what they are most saturated with is things that lift their focus off of themselves, off of the world around them, and on to God. Because let's face it, church, we have constant bombardment of all the opposite of that. You know, We are constantly bombarded by the messages of culture and by the messages of me. It's all about me and me first. So we've got to be very, very specific and very strategic in countering that. So that's what maybe some of that would look like uh, as far as worshiping together. And then uh, as you come together as a family at church, please encourage your children, you know, if they're down there and they have music in their classes, encourage them to sing and ask them what songs they're singing and are they liking it. And if they're up here with you, you sing out loud, okay, mom and dad. Don't be, don't be afraid if you don't have the best voice or you can't quite get the pitch. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're told to make a joyful noise, right? So make a joyful noise if that's all you can make and let your kids see that you're not ashamed to sing out praise to King Jesus, okay? Let them see it in you, and then I promise you they'll copy it, because that's what they do. That's what they do. All right, so that's, that's worship. Last but certainly not least, the last corner of our foundation that we want to make sure is strong and secure is that of serving. Serving. Here's what the scripture says. Psalm 2.11, serve the Lord with reverential awe and rejoice with trembling. Again, because he is worthy. Why serve the Lord? Because he is the Lord and all that he has done for us. He has served us to an extent that we can't even fathom. The logical response to that as we recognize all that he has done is, I will now serve you. You have served me, I now serve you. You've given me life and now my life is yours. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I will serve you with my life. Teach that to your kids. Let them see it. Uh, then also the scripture says in James 1.22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In other words, actions will always speak louder than words. And actions always verify your words. So be doers of the the word, and not just hearers only. We're really good at that. We're really good at that last part. We're really good at just soaking up and, you know, just um, 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 just devouring teaching and devouring truth. We're really good at it. But all of us, all of us, myself included, can always do better about doing the word that we heard, you know, putting that out into practice, putting it into action. So uh, we need to, to make sure we're pursuing that and we're including our kids in that and they're seeing that mark us, mom and dad, and then they will want to do it as well. And then also in James, James 2, 15 through 17 says this, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, and again, the key is brother or sister, that's the church, that's fellow Christians, one of you says to them, go in peace, you know, have a good day, keep warm, and eat well, which is incredibly ironic, seeing how you see they don't have a, a coat and they don't have food. You know? And you're just like, hey, I hope you find a coat. Hope you, it's brr, isn't it cold? Hope you find a nice warm coat out there somewhere. Man, you look hungry. Well, hope you find some food. Have a good day. You know? That, that's what 
is, is going on here in, in James. He, I love James. He's so blunt and ironic, and he's just great. We're going to study James in, in just a couple months. It'll be great. Um, he says, you say that, go in peace, keep warm, eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs. And the, the assumption here, the understood, is you, you have the ability to provide that. Like, you have those provisions, and you recognize the need, but you don't do anything about it. You don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? And the answer is, no good at all. Nothing good came from that. Nothing. It was empty. It was pointless. And he says this, in the same way, just as, as that would be true if we did that, that example, in the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, in other words, accompanying it, attached to it, verifying it, if it doesn't have works, that faith that you say you have and you profess and you talk about loudly, what is it? It's dead by itself. That's key, by itself. You have to have faith. That's how we are saved. But if you don't have a lifestyle of actions and, and specific works that go along with that, proving the faith that you have, proving the changing, saving faith that you have, then if you don't have that, then A, no matter what you say, it's not going to do anybody any good, and B, then there's cause for some serious self-introspection. Because anyone who has been changed by faith in Christ will also just naturally and automatically and increasingly do good to others in the name of Christ. It goes together. It's peanut butter and jelly. Or for those of you who are really weird, peanut butter and banana. Or peanut butter and honey. You get the idea. You get the idea. It goes together. Faith and works. You have to have them both. So, with that in mind, let me give you again some practical ideas here. Here's some options for serving as a family. And with all of this, guys, this is no mean, by no means exhaustive. There are so many other options that, that are out there to, to incorporate. You pray about what God would have you do as a family. Uh, here's some options. Volunteering in the local church in specific ministries. You might think, well, you know, there's just not a lot that my kids could do here. Wrong. Your kids could greet and welcome people along with you out there in the front. That would go so far. Everyone loves kids, really. I mean, even if they say they don't, they do. Okay? Um, the kids are natural icebreakers. Your children can, can get you in, with a relation, in a relationship with someone that maybe you never could. Kids just tear down walls and they break down barriers. They're, they're, they're truly a gift from God in that way along with all the other ways that they are. So have your kids with you greeting people and handing them bulletins and talking to them. They, oh, they love it. They love it. They will make the, the new visitor feel more welcome than even what you could. So a greeter and welcome team and maybe some work days if we have those around the church. There's things kids can do and, and, and we, we sometimes limit what our kids are able to do and they can do a whole lot more than we give them credit for. Um, there's the hospitality team. I mean, they can, they can hand out napkins. You know, They can carry a plate to someone. Getting them involved in the local church. And again, there's all kinds of other ways to do that. Then there's also volunteering in the community around them. Uh, different organizations and ministries like Carpenter's Corner. Pastor Scott is there on the board and he's there a lot. And, and I, know, I know that he and the others with him could, could find areas of service for your children to do with you as a family there. Um, so Carpenter's Corner, Brian's safe house, you know, maybe we can talk to, to Leon and Danita about, about ways we could jump in as a family and contribute there. Uh, then there's also visiting shut-ins. You know, the people who uh, just cannot get out of their home but so desperately want to, there is nothing that will brighten up their day like a visit from a family from the church. 
I mean, that will make their entire month. And that's something that kids can easily do. And then lastly, but not least, there's uh, outreach events, like the Day of Hope coming up later in the summer. And there's Fridays in the park here. And our area, man, we have so many different events and festivals, it's crazy. There's something like all the time going on. And kids can do that. Again, personal example here. Um, at a very early age, much younger than they are now, we, we did uh, some Thanksgiving meals in the community, and, and we let our kids come with us and serve the people and talk to the people. They talked about that for months, and we've done more since then. Again, there's that, that icebreaker thing going on, and there's, there's the, the smiles that the kids have, and it just, it just goes so far. So it benefits the people, but it benefits your kids. It gets them in, it starts them to be, to be in love with the idea of serving. It becomes contagious. It's something they want to do. And, and that's what we need to be doing. We need to be instilling in them not just knowledge and not just concepts, but we need to be instilling in them how to go out and apply what they're learning. Again, it's, it's that grow, go, sow that I, I've told you is going to be the mission that drives what we do here. All of this comes back to that. It's growing and it's going and it's sowing. So these are just some ideas. These are some options. But these are the the very, very foundational key areas that we have to establish in our foundation as a family before we go forward. Before we build on top of our structure, we have to have that foundation secure. And these are the four areas to to make sure that, that are in place for us to do that. Okay? Sound good? Let's have a word of prayer together. While you're... While you're bowing and in, in an attitude and a mindset of prayer, and in just a minute, the, the praise team's going to come back up, and they're going to be um, singing and, and leading us there. And feel free, while they're doing that, to come down in the front here and pray if you want to do that, or sing there in, in your seat. We'll let everybody stay seated and, and, and just let God speak to you on these things, but feel free to join along with them. But I, I just want to ask you, as you've heard this, as we've started this series, we've looked at now the four key areas of our foundation that we have to have in place. Um, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart and in your mind through this, and, and you're aware of the fact that you've not done any of this, you know? You claim that, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of not just your, your own individual heart, but of your home, but maybe you've not done any of these things. Like, you've never had devotions together as a family. You've never prayed together as a family. You've never talked about or encouraged your kids to participate in, in true worship. And you've never served together. Then, my friend, what are, you really, what are you really showing and teaching your children? What are they really learning from you and observing from you? I, I say that with, with love. Because they're going to do what you do much more than they will do what you say. It's always true. So we need to be working very intentionally on that. And I I just wonder, is there anybody that would say, you know, I am a Christian and and I I definitely want my family to be a godly home. I, I want the foundation of my family to be built on the Word of God and on worshiping God and serving God and praying. I want that to happen would you pray for me that I will take the initiative, that I will, I will just seize that and I will start to implement that into my home? Is there anyone that would say, pray for me in that way? I really want to get started on this. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Pray for me that, that I do this in my home. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. My, my second question is to those of you who may be here and you've heard this and you're a mom or a dad or 
grandparent or uncle and you have a family, or, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're just on your own. But one day you hope to have a family. And, 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 and what has happened as you've heard this is you've realized, man, I, I don't even know Jesus. How can I lead a home to Je- with Jesus or for Jesus? I don't even know him myself. Maybe that's what's happened this morning. Maybe the Spirit of God has made you aware of your need for Jesus. You've never committed your life to him. He's not your Savior. He's not your Lord. He's just someone. I wonder, is there anybody that would say, I need to know Jesus before I start on any of these other things? Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? I'm, I'm not even a Christian yet. I, I can't build a Christian home. I'm not a Christian myself, but I want to be. I want to become a Christian so that I can establish a Christian home. Anyone else? Anyone say, that's me. Okay, we're going to pray in just a second. If you need to come and talk to me, you want me to pray with you, I would love to do that. I'll be down front here in these chairs. Come and kneel down at these steps. Let that be your personal altar. Whatever you need to do with God today, do it. Don't let another hour go by without acting, okay? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you have brought about, all that you've put in place. Thank you for the institution of the family. Thank you for bringing that about and ordaining that. Thank you for letting us see clearly through your word what you want us to be as a family and what our foundation needs to look like and what needs to be part of that foundation, what's vital. Thank you, Father, for doing that and showing that to us uh, through your word in such clear ways. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who said, you know what, I I see how important this is. I see how vital all these areas are. I know that we need to be in the Word together as a family. I know we need to be praying together as a family. We need to be uh, intentionally pursuing true worship together, and we need to be serving. I recognize that. I see that. I haven't done that, and I want to. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Let them them act on that. I I pray for mom and dad that they would be the leaders in the home they need to be, and and that they they would mirror that in their own lives and let the kids see Wow, mom and dad really are serious about, about time and the word. Man, they're serious about praying and so that they will then uh, be serious about that as well. And, and just please help them to, to get past the excuses and the demands on the time and just to, to make this a priority. Father, for those who are here who do not know you personally yet, they have not surrendered their life to your son, the Lord Jesus. There's no way they can develop this kind of foundation because this kind of foundation has to have the Spirit of God as the power behind it, fueling and directing this and keeping this intact. We can't do it on our own. So they need to come to that place where they they surrender their whole person to the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving Him as their Lord, their Savior. I pray if anyone is here today that they would They would do that now, that they would turn to you right now even and say, Oh God, I I am a sinner before you, and I know that I have sinned against you. But I believe that you do love me and that you loved me so much you even sent Jesus, your son, to come to this earth, to go to the cross and die, taking all of my sin and my guilt, offering me forgiveness and love in exchange. He took my sin and I got his righteousness. You judged him so that you could pour out your love on me. I want him to be my Savior. Save me now in Jesus' name. I pray that that would be a prayer that that someone here has prayed. And Father, just do that work, I pray. Thank you, God, for what you've done. 
for what you're doing. Thank you for all you are. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.